in a changing environment, it's even tougher to network without being able to go to events face-to-face. That's why today's guest, Yakov Smart, who's an expert in connecting and building relationships on LinkedIn, is going to share some of the strategies on how to go about finding and connecting with the right people in your industry on LinkedIn. Let's get to it. This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. For as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Now is one of the greatest times in history to be investing in multifamily real estate with hundreds of millions of dollars literally moving from the stock market into alternative assets like real estate every single day. We're in the midst of a golden era. And one of the keys to success is learning how to avoid those upcoming pitfalls and mastering the process of how to scale as an operator in the multifamily business. Regardless, if you're just getting started, if you've been in the game for decades, you've got to join us for this very special training put on by the Multifamily MBA on how to scale from zero to 2,400 units, the three biggest secrets from building a $320 million multifamily portfolio. Register to join us at the InvestorMindset.com slash MFMBA. That's the InvestorMindset.com slash MFMBA. Look forward to seeing you there. Welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Pesavento. And today I'm very excited. I've got Yakov Smart in the studio today. How are you doing today, Yakov? Hey, I'm doing real well. Thank you for having me. Well, I am glad you're here because you're an expert when it comes to attracting high net worth investors and raising capital using LinkedIn. You know, Yakov is the author of Disrupting LinkedIn and works with business owners of a variety of different backgrounds to help them build more quality relationships on LinkedIn. And in today's show, we're going to dive deep into some strategy and philosophy behind networking at scale using LinkedIn and leave you with some actionable tips that you can use today, things that you can go apply and start building better relationships on LinkedIn, especially important today when a lot of us are not able to go build those relationships face to face, but instead being able to use some of the tools at our disposal. So we're going to dive into some some great stuff today. You ready to dive into it, Yakov? Let's do it. All right. So let's start out looking at LinkedIn first and foremost from a philosophical perspective, because I've I've heard you speak about this before and and you've got a really great way of thinking about it. And it's one of the fastest growing social networks. It has incredible organic reach. So starting out at a high level, how should investors be thinking about using LinkedIn as a tool for networking or you know, going as far as raising capital? Well, it's a key tool, like you mentioned, for building those relationships, right? And it's all about building quality relationships with people for real estate entrepreneurs, for example, with people who could potentially invest in their projects. And the way to think about it too, is, you know, right now, obviously the world has, is very different. There's no, really no such thing as conferences, trade shows. I'm sure at some point it'll be back, but right now um, the reality of the situation is that it's not there. So the opportunity that LinkedIn provides is you have a chance to build those same kind of relationships and to start building those relationships on the platform that you can then transition beyond LinkedIn to the phone, Zoom, or you know, however you're gonna transition that communication. And the really powerful thing about about LinkedIn is when you know how to find the right people, when you build hyper-targeted lists, 
like the platform allows you to do, what you're able to then do is you're able to quite literally rig the game in your favor. You're able to have, for example, if you went to a conference and there were 1000 super high net worth individuals and you knew certain things about their mindset, you knew certain things about where they were from, and you're able to start building relationships with all of them and seeing who you're gonna resonate with the most. So it's a very powerful opportunity. I think people are spending more time there than they ever have. And I think from a philosophical standpoint, people are craving that relationship and to be seen and heard on LinkedIn more so now than ever. Yeah. And that's so true. And what I really appreciate about the the philosophy, the way that you're thinking about this is you, you mentioned creating lists on LinkedIn and, and as marketers, as people who are going out there, whether we're marketing to buy real estate properties or we're marketing to build relationships or to raise capital, we want to think about things from this perspective of a list. And so, you know, we could, in other areas of marketing, you got your email list or you've got your property list or the number of the phone numbers that you're going to call if you're going to do cold calling. But in this space in LinkedIn, you're going to create a list of potential folks that are going to be in your circle. And so when it comes to creating that list, what are some of the advantages that LinkedIn offers that really aren't available nearly anywhere else? Well, there's a number of different ways to filter that list and get really specific. And being specific is the name of the game in developing a strategy that's going to work really well. And the tool that I recommend for building lists of potential investors on LinkedIn, if you're really going to want to do this at scale and create a replicable system, which I know many of your listeners will, is the LinkedIn Sales Navigator. And I want to make the distinction that we're talking about Sales Navigator and not just the LinkedIn Premium. A lot of people don't know the difference, but the one that you're going to absolutely need is LinkedIn Sales Navigator, at least for the first 90 days when you, so you can get a feel for creating your list. And then there's all sorts of different ways you can repurpose those. So with Sales Navigator, the big thing is there's about 15 to 20 filters right now. And I'll run you through some really important ones for targeting investors. So for example, one filter we can look at is zip code. So if you know there, well, for example, 90210 is an affluent zip code everyone knows about in you know the LA area or Beverly Hills. So you could target people within five miles of that zip code, right? You could target people but certain companies, so think Amazon, Apple, Facebook, people on the executive teams there who have certain roles. And the way that I look at it too, um, and there's a few other filters we can talk about as well, but the way that I look at it too is you want, to, you want your targeting to overlap three key things. The right net worth potential, right? So that's when you look at net worth, you can't necessarily target on LinkedIn by specific net worth. That would be wild and that would be revolutionary, but that doesn't exist at the moment. However, um, I the way to get around that is to look at income longevity. So for example, if you target someone in the Bay Area who's in a VP position, who's worked in a VP position for a company of 10,000 plus employees for more than 10 years, there's a good chance they've been making multiple six figures over the course of the past 10 years. There's a good chance they're a high net worth individual. So looking at things like years of experience, longevity, all those types of things. So the next area is income, right? So obviously different positions, there's more of an expected income. So if someone's a CEO of a company that has, let's say 5,000 employees, um, there's a great chance they're earning a high six figure, if not higher income. And then the third piece that a lot of people don't talk about is the right mindset. So what's cool about LinkedIn is you can segment by certain interests. So not only can you look at someone who's high income individual, 
who's had income longevity, but you can see, wait a minute, they're in a group where everyone's talking about alternative investments, or they're in a group where people are talking about things like Bitcoin or alternative real estate. And then you can really segment down and the sweet spot is creating a combination of those three. Yeah. And that makes so much sense. And so this is one of the benefits that you guys can use and look at when you're going to go think about, hey, I want to network at scale and I want to find the right people. And you can use some of these tools that are built into LinkedIn so that you can start kind of diving in. And so by being able to look at where somebody lives or what their position is, you can start to think from a philosophical standpoint that that might be somebody who's going to fit in this space of, you know, raising capital, for example. What are some of those other things that you like to look at when it comes to building that list for people to understand, hey, I'm going to be targeting the right type of person or somebody who's going to have the ability to, you know, actively or have interest working with me? Oh, one of the nuances here, and we talk about this in our programs with clients as well, is streams of commonality. And what I mean by that is if you're someone who lives in Indianapolis and you come from an engineering background, I would start at looking at people who live in Indianapolis and come from a similar background because your entire messaging approach needs to be based on the person's mindset and streams of commonality. Similarly, if you served in the military, you can look at other military veterans or other military officers. People have that same mindset. That's a really key targeting piece where you can increase your response rate tremendously. Um, a few other filters, a few, and we call them angles too. And the reason that I call them angles is it's an approach to building the relationship. Oftentimes, I think the thing that people struggle with the most is getting that foot in the door, if you will, right? Doing it virtually on LinkedIn, where you can not be seen as someone, oh, that person's just trying to pitch me something. No, this person's building a relationship and I am already starting to know, like, and trust them because we have things in common. So those commonalities are a great way to kind of circumvent that process and that barrier to entry and to accelerate that trust building. So a couple of different angles that LinkedIn also allows you to do is, you know, let's say you worked at, I had a client once, he used to work at Walmart. He was on the executive team. Um, he was like a regional manager or something. And then he left to do real estate full time. So what he did was he looked at current Walmart employees who were at a certain seniority level and that was the people he wanted to target, okay? Um, another example is let's say you graduated from Harvard, for example, or you got a Harvard MBA, another great potential list, Harvard MBAs living, let's say in your city or within a X mile radius. So these are all different filters um, that make it to where we can target people by these streams of commonality. Another one, the sneaky one can be language. So let's say you're fluent in French. Um, that could be another way to do it. Or let's say you come from a different country and you're interested in building key relationships with high net worth individuals who live in a different country and might be able to invest, let's say, in a U.S. market. That's another potential list angle you could take. Yeah, that's that's really valuable. And and you obviously work with clients in this exact space. So if somebody's looking to get more strategies, they can obviously work directly with you. So I appreciate you kind of sharing this with us. As people are building out this list, they're going to start potentially reaching out to people or creating content that is going to be speaking to that list. And so when before they actually begin creating that content, they probably want to start understanding, well, uh, what are some of the problems or challenges of people that are in this space? And so how have you recommended other clients of yours go about understanding what is that right niche of person or area or uh, background that's going to be the right fit, right? Because we often hear about people maybe targeting occupations like doctors or lawyers or dentists or pro athletes. I've heard of a number of different uh, niches around that. 
But to me, I'm sure there's more to it. So tell us, uh, tell us in your eyes, kind of what are some best practices? Yeah, well, doctors and lawyers are kind of default, right? Everyone's like, oh, who's got money? A doctor. And sometimes <laughs> people don't quite realize a lot of doctors don't have that much money or they're terrible, mm-hmm. terrible business people. Same thing with lawyers. So when we think about it, my first piece of advice is usually let's look at people who you naturally and organically have things in common with. Okay. It could be you speak another language like they do. It could be they live in the same area. It could be they have a similar career background. It could be that you know some of the same people, right? These are all different kinds of approaches. And then the messaging, there's naturally some people are more analytical. Some people naturally want a lot more detail and, you know, want to immerse themselves in information. And then some people are faster action takers. And I'm sure some of your listeners are familiar with what's it called? The bank assessment. And it's a tool. Are you familiar with this, Stephen? I'm not personally familiar with that. And I love personality profiles. So I'm going to have to look into this further. It's a cool one. And it's the quickest one you'll ever take. It's B-A-N-K, just like it sounds. If you Google bank assessment, I think you can find it. And you can take yours um, in like less than five minutes, super quick. But basically the whole premise of that assessment is people buy in different ways. And everyone's got, according to the author, everyone's got a unique blueprint for how they buy and how they prefer to be marketed to and even sold to. So what the way that we do it is we take into account, you know, an engineer is going to require a bit of a different approach than let's say someone who's a rock star sales guy, you know, who's, who's crushing in, in, in sales, right? Very different type of buyer. They're going to use different words. They're going to want, you know, a different kind of ex- relationship building experience. So the key thing is to identify what's most congruent and aligned to the way that you communicate and also the people who are, Um, The people that have some things in common with you right out of the gate. And that creates that initial opportunity for building rapport. Does that answer your question? I feel like there was. Yeah, it, it. It's a beautiful example of of how you go about finding who you're actually going to be able to speak with. Because you know, for me, for example, you know, I've used to work in tech and in uh, in management consulting, and I spent a lot of time with developers. But developers don't think like I think they think differently. And so if I was going to try to work exclusively with with developers, I, they may not necessarily be attracted to my content. And so I think it's a perfect example of why you want to find who is naturally going to be attracted to the way that you're communicating and who can you get inside their mind and the way they think, because if you're somebody who pulls the trigger quickly and buys something without thinking too much about it, then that might be somebody who uh, you're going to understand uh, their buying behavior. Exactly. You, you nailed it great way to sum it up. Yeah. So that that's really phenomenal. And one of the things that I just want to put out there, because it's going to be an elephant in the room. I've been on LinkedIn on and off a lot more lately than in the past, but there is these people and you know, these people because you've been friended by these people and you've been contacted by these people. And there's those people who are clearly using bots to create outreach. And I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with using some kind of automation to increase the opportunity to get in contact with somebody to have a real connection. I don't think there's anything bad about that. But how do we avoid being that person who clearly is reaching out to everybody with a sales pitch in message one, two or three? And how do we avoid having that feeling of wanting to automatically be ignored by by folks when they do connect with us? 
That's a great question. So there are different bots, there's different tools out there. You need to hit the nail on the head. Automation, it can be powerful just in the fact that it saves you a lot of time and streamlines things. But on the flip side of that, right, it can be super annoying and it can look automated. It's kind of like plastic surgery, right? So good plastic surgery, you can't really tell. Um, bad plastic surgery, it, 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 it's, it's not a good look. So the very first thing is you have to visually, whenever you're putting together a message on LinkedIn, whether you're doing it manually, by bot, doesn't matter. Visually, take a look at it. And if it looks like a big clumpy paragraph, automatically that's going to turn people off. We like to scan. We like to skim things before we read them fully. So it's making sure that you're breaking things up. And, and that little tip um, makes it seem a little bit easier to read, a little bit easier to sift through. Next piece, strategically, you don't want to be pitching right out of the gate. So the key difference is, is what you're saying in your message giving value. Right. And when we talk about giving value, I want to clarify that because a lot of people don't quite understand um, what giving value is in marketing and giving value isn't necessarily I'm going to make the super educational content and give people 59 tips on what to look for in a real estate deal. I think that that's one aspect of giving value. Mm -hmm. It can build value. It can be valuable. But at the same time, there's a couple different ways, a couple different streams of value. So one aspect of giving value is helping the other person be seen. So for example, stock market volatility has been a big issue this year. So if you're the one to say, wait a minute, you know, I've talked to a lot of people um, in, let's say the management consulting space, they're really concerned because of what's happening to their savings with the craziness of the stock market. Are you, have you been researching alternatives as well? Right? So it's a great way to kind of open the door. Hey, there is this problem. There's this big problem making someone aware. Oftentimes awareness is that first stage. The next way of giving value is asking a question. And I kind of demonstrated a, a moment ago, but asking a question in terms of, Hey, you know, so I noticed this, have you ever thought about this? Or are you familiar with how this works? Right. So asking a question based on their level of awareness, because I think a lot of people go in for the kill and they go with that hard direct message when that person's not ready for that yet oftentimes. So it's like moving someone up a ladder and the very first way to do this to give value until you get something called the hook point. Now, when we talk about the hook point, it's when someone responds, when someone actually raises their hand and expresses interest. And what it really means is they're investing in the conversation. They're saying, okay, there's a, this might be something of value let me find out more. And even the action of replying with, um, yeah, I haven't really thought about that. Can you tell me more? Right. That's them investing. Now you're getting to the hook point. Now it's very much feeling personalized and now they're receiving value. And now that's where you could continue to build on that. That's where you continue to take that conversation. Another way to do it is you can give them a chance to attend a webinar or listen to a podcast episode or watch a video to absorb a piece of content that um, gives value in multiple ways and seeing who's going to raise their hand and quite literally opt in or click on the video or download whatever is available. So there's so many different ways of giving value, but the rule of thumb um, that I tell people is every message you send on LinkedIn, there has to be value exchange. There has to be actual value offered and giving someone just a sales pitch or an annoying message like, hey, you know, you, let's let's book a call so I can sell you my thing is that's not giving value. Yeah, it's totally not. And it's a huge turnoff. And it's kind of unfortunate when I see those messages come in. And it's really bad when I see them come in from people that I know. 
that I know really well. And I can tell for sure that it's not genuine. And so it, don't be those people. If you're going to go down this path about building relationships at scale, highly recommend you follow in the footsteps of somebody else who already has been experienced and learn how to do this in the right way so that you can come off at building those relationships in the right way. Because everything that we're talking about is all about moving from online into real life, into the opportunity for people to be able to connect and build more value. Is, is that right? Absolutely. And you know, I love what you said about online versus real life, because I think the distinction has gone away. I don't think online marketing is quite online marketing anymore. I think marketing is marketing now, especially with yeah. how the world's changed, all the, the different things, that relationship building, I think online and offline has sort of version to one. I mean, we're technically having this conversation online, but we're having it in person in real time. So it's, it's really interesting that you said that. Yeah, yeah, it's a good it's a good thing to remember, you know, it's like we've got this opportunity to connect right here right now and then other people are going to be able to consume this online in kind of an engaging environment. So the worlds have really molded together. And so after somebody sends that message, most likely, what are the actions that are going to come from the person who is looking to respond? So you send the message, it's got a question, it's engaging, it hits that right pain point or right interest level for somebody to respond and share a little bit more about themselves. What are they typically going to do? What actions are are they going to do and what should you be anticipating so that your profile is set up in the right way when they do end up uh, reaching out or looking for more information? So one action they're likely to take is to look at your profile. So you want your profile to build value. One of the great things to do on your profile is to anticipate some of their key questions or objections and actually address the, those on your profile rather than make your profile sound like a resume. It's much more powerful. Um, and it's certainly okay to provide a link where someone can go to learn more and take the next step just by reading your profile because some people, believe it or not, will do that. It's a great inbound opportunity. But usually what happens is we want to really look at, and this is the part that you can't automate, but it's so valuable that it's worth spending the 15 to 20 minutes a day doing this piece. So let's say someone gets the hook point, they're responding. Usually what you want to do is acknowledge what they've had to say and continue leading the conversation. So ask another question, go a little deeper, right? And then once someone's, you know, invested, once you've had a, and some people need more back and forth than others. Some people are like, oh, that's interesting. Let's book a call. Here's my link. Like, and that's when the, sometimes the prospect will say that. So totally cool when they do that. Again, people have different styles. But usually what you want to do, and there's some different buckets of responses that we talk about, like one bucket of response, for example, is when someone starts asking really detailed questions, right? So knowing how to transition. So if they say this or when they say this, what's going to be, what's the next step to so ultimately, in most cases, and it depends what the offer is, but, you know, in, in terms of actually finding investors to invest in real estate projects, in most cases, you're going to want to have a meeting, an intro call. And then on that call, that's when you can build the relationship that much further. What you don't want to do is get sucked into all the weeds of the details in Messenger. So if they start asking you, you know, average rate of return or you know, all these different things, you definitely want to transition that into an actual conversation because there's so much more you can do in building that relationship. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you get your profile set up in the right way that kind of talks about what it is that you do. But what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make on their profiles when we're thinking about it from this perspective? 
Well, the profile doesn't demonstrate empathy. I mean, that's the, the biggest mistake. All these mistakes lead back to that road where the profile isn't considering that ideal investor, okay? Where the profile is just like, okay, let me put something out there and tell you how great I am or you know, all the different experiences I've had or haven't had. And the biggest thing is every piece of the profile, we wanna be thinking about the investor experience. So there's some key components of the profile. If you were to look at your LinkedIn profile, you can pull it up and see. First one is the cover photo. That's the picture behind your picture. Really great place to put your branding out there. Really great place to direct people to your website or your platform and quickly establish um, what it is your expertise is. Your picture, I mean, this is self-exclamatory. You want something that's pretty up-to-date, something that has pretty good lighting. Uh, but some people do the crazy thing of putting their logo as their personal LinkedIn profile picture, which is one of the dumbest things you can do. It'd be like wearing mm -hmm. a bag over your head at a networking event. It would just be ridiculous. <laughs> but that LinkedIn headline is really important because you have a chance to really showcase what's in it for the investor where the value might be in reading your profile or in even connecting with you further. And you have a chance to very succinctly do that in your LinkedIn headline. So the more specific, the better. If you're going for management consultants, making putting specific lingo or specific words for management consultants in your profile really creates more of that report. It's like, wait a minute, I call it the IFM factor. It's for me factor, right? It's a big, big thing for building trust. You want someone to look at your profile and be like, wait a minute, this is for me, right? And then addressing, yes, telling people a little bit about yourself, but addressing them where they're at. Like, where are they in terms of awareness of investing in your deals and what are the big objections or misconceptions that are probably floating through their minds right now when you're the one to address those things um, you start building tremendous value and people are starting to feel seen and understood and some of the big mistakes that i see on linkedin profiles um, people again it's that visual thing sometimes people clump their entire copy their entire text into one big paragraph and no one reads it because it's so hard to read. Um, another thing that people do sometimes that is a major mistake, especially if you're wanting to actually develop new business relationships, is they have their LinkedIn profile set to private. And that's one of the biggest head scratchers because if you're wanting to go out there and build this network and sphere of influence, you're severely limiting your visibility on LinkedIn and online. And anything you post, you severely limit the visibility. So another um, big mistake that we see. Um, sometimes what people do is they hide behind being formal. And I call this corporate speak. So sometimes they have a very fancy sounding corporate resume and that's what they put up there and they hide, right? And I think the real psychological reason why people do that is they don't think they're good enough or they don't think they've made it yet or they don't think they have enough expertise just yet, especially people who are, let's say, just getting into real estate or moving from single family to multifamily. And Again, another major mistake, because at the end of the day, if you can make your investor feel understood, that does so much more than giving them a fancy sounding bio that, you know, they can't understand and they're not even going to read. So we want to keep things simple and keep things concise there. Okay. And then the other key mistake that I sometimes see is people will be all over the place. Like they'll talk about five different businesses or they'll have five different things that they're working on right now. And whenever I see that, that's a big red flag. I think most entrepreneurs who are successful, they may be investing in other businesses, but I don't think they're working on 10 projects at the same time. So it's one of those things that um, is a big red flag for investors. And the other mistake um, that I see sometimes is people get over marketing. And what I mean by that is there is some promise. For example, if you lead your profile saying, hey, I help people get financial freedom 
in 60 days or less or whatever. And even if it's true, right, even if it's true, your ideal investor is especially the passive investor. And here's the difference, right? Because I think a lot of what a lot of real estate entrepreneurs do is they see gurus out there. They see people who are selling courses or programs and they see how these people market themselves, right? And these people are marketing to active investors. They're marketing to you versus your outcome is you're wanting to market to passive investors, people who want to passively invest and generate returns. There's gonna be a lot more skepticism, right? So let's not talk about financial freedom out of the gate. Let's talk about the possibilities of passively investing in real estate and key things to look for, giving people, educating people like that. It's so much more powerful and it meets people where they're at as opposed to, let's say, um, making huge promises out of the gate where someone just rolls their eyes and says next. Yeah, that's really good advice because sometimes you can model the wrong people and you end up getting the result that you weren't looking for. You turn off the people that you actually wanted to attract and you attract the people who really aren't a fit for what you're actually trying to sell and what you're actually trying to deliver value. And I think that's 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 really powerful. You have a you have a, a cheat sheet or a checklist that somebody could follow if they had headed, headed over to your website on how to optimize that profile. Is that right? Yeah, I do. And then there's also a free training on there. It's a webinar specifically on how to use LinkedIn to raise more capital and find high net worth investors. And that's a free webinar. Yeah, we'll include a link to that in the show notes for people who are interested in checking that out. So as we're wrapping up, what would be the final piece of advice that you'd give to somebody who's looking at building relationships online and bringing them into, you know, into, uh, you know, into their sphere? Yeah, well, it's a basic piece of advice, but it's an important piece of advice is you want to start before you need it. I think the mistake a lot of people make is, you know, they, they're waiting to have a deal and then to need to raise X amount in capital. Uh, you want to have the investor list ready before you need it. You want to have the relationships ready before you need them. It just makes things so much easier. So you're not having to scramble. So no matter how far along you are on your marketing or business journey or real estate journey, the best time to start is now. It's to start building out the system that you can rely on for building these key relationships. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. And where can people find out more about you or get in touch? Well, linkedleads.us. That's the website. And they can also find me on LinkedIn, Yakov Smart. No kidding. You can find Yakov, the LinkedIn guy on LinkedIn. So we'll include that in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. 